evidence and answers. The Bible teaches that Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. However, in the 19th century, Julius Wellhausen introduced the documentary Hypothesis, and many scholars believe conclusively proved mosaic authorship of the Pentateuch was false. This theory is one of the most influential theories taught in colleges and seminaries and has destroyed the faith of many Christians around the world. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zugran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. At a recent conference hosted by the Wailai Baptist Church in Hawaii, Pat spoke on archaeology in the Old Testament. Now he examines this theory and presents a case for the mosaic authorship of the Pentateuch. Hey, we had a great time talking about the Exodus here and that the majority of scholars don't hold to the historicity of the Exodus, but there is compelling evidence for the Exodus. Now, one of the reasons a lot of Old Testament scholars don't hold to the Exodus and others is because of this next theory that we're talking about. All right, It's called the documentary hypothesis or the Wellhausen theory. It's taught in seminaries and Christian universities all over the country. This is the majority view of the Old Testament scholars, okay? That Moses did not write the Pentateuch. It is a much later writing. But this is what's taught in the majority of our seminaries and Christian universities all over the country. Uh, I remember learning this in high school and it really rattled my faith in Christ. And then, you know, when I went to the Christian university, I learned this too. And it just really had a lot of students shaken that indeed Moses perhaps did not write the first five books of the Old Testament. It's a much later writing that comes from maybe 1000 BC by these priestly schools. Now, we just went through a seminar showing you the historical evidence for the Exodus. And we have a very compelling case for the Exodus here. When you look not only at the biblical text, but if you look at the archaeology behind it. Now we're going to take a look at this, the Wellhausen theory or the documentary hypothesis, which is taught. There's only a few seminaries. Now, when I finished college and I realized, you know what? The same stuff I was learning in high school that discredited the authenticity and integrity of the Bible, I was learning at the Christian college. You know, I said, man, I got to pick a seminary that's actually going to teach me some valid history and Bible. All right, and Dallas Seminary was one of the very few that was there. And so it's one of the reasons why I went to Dallas Theological Seminary. Now, remember, right about this time when this theory is developing, the Enlightenment is going on in Europe. We're shifting from a Christian theistic worldview that dominated the West to now the naturalist or the atheist worldview where now they're saying miracles don't happen. If it can't be explained with the scientific method, we're not going to believe it. And they want to create a new utopian society based on modern science and modern philosophy, getting rid of religion, and that would bring us into a whole new utopia. Okay, So that's kind of stuff that was going on. But there are some significant implications if the Wellhausen or the documentary hypothesis is true. Okay, if it's true, 
Genesis through 2 Samuel then, which bases a lot of its history upon those first five books then, would not be true. And ultimately, Christianity that traces its roots, right, to a Davidic kingdom, to Abraham, to the Exodus, then Christianity would be in question. Jesus affirmed Mosaic authorship of the Pentateuch. Jesus affirms Adam and Eve as literal historical people. Jesus affirms the Exodus as a historical account. Jesus affirms things like Jonah and the will. Jesus says he is from the line of King David, right? Then Jesus' teachings would be false. Then we would start to question, wait a minute, is Jesus really the son of God if he didn't know this stuff? If these are not true, Jesus would be in error. New Testament would be in error. All right, so we've got a lot hanging on can we build a case for mosaic authorship of the New Testament. Now, this is how the documentary hypothesis developed, right? In the 1600s, as the Enlightenment is happening, David Hume and others are presenting what appears to be powerful arguments against the existence of God and against the possibility of miracles, Right? And these philosophers are coming out and they're saying, okay, if miracles can't happen, then what we have in the Old Testament then is folklore. And since we don't have any archaeology supporting the Old Testament and all that, it's got to be folklore. And we see all these parallels in these pagan religions. Okay, so it's folklore. They began really questioning the authority of the Bible. Now, this Dutch philosopher, Benedict Spinoza, who followed David Hume and gave a very powerful argument against the possibility of miracles. He questioned the Mosaic authorship of the Pentateuch, and he wrote in his theological and political treatise attacking the credibility of the Old Testament and Mosaic authorship. He's followed by a French physician named Jean Ostruck, who developed the early phases of this hypothesis, the documentary hypothesis, of who really wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. Carl Graf really developed the theory in the 19th century. And then this man here in the picture, Julius Wellhausen, or the Wellhausen theory. And this is the theory that dominates seminaries all over the world now. It's a minority of seminaries that challenge the Wellhausen theory. And it well should be challenged because it lacks a lot of credibility. But for some reason, it's accepted. Wellhausen brought the theory into the academy of the European and United States colleges and seminaries, and it has dominated our seminaries and colleges ever since. I remember talking to a pastor here, and we're just having casual conversation, and I said, you know, when Moses wrote, and he stopped me, he goes, no, 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 no. Moses never wrote those first five books. J-E-P-D wrote it, J-E-P-D. And I was like, ah, you've bit the apple. You've bought into the Wellhausen theory. Anyway, had a Very interesting discussion over that. Now, what is going on here at this time? Remember, the Enlightenment, Darwin's theory is coming upon the scene, and Wellhausen was well influenced by Darwin's theory. Darwin's theory is not just a philosophy of science, all right? Darwin's theory supposedly proved that the origin and diversity of life are the result of natural causes acting randomly. And it's the only viable explanation for the origin and diversity of life on our university campuses today. It is not to be questioned. Scientists from China came and they made a very interesting comment. They said, you know, in China, we can question Darwin, but we can never question the government. But in America, you can question the government, but you can never question Darwinism. But Darwin never proved his case. 
He never showed how we got life from non-life. He never explained how we got the diversity of life from natural causes, right? The two mechanisms, natural selection and mutations, preserve a species. They don't change a species, okay? Anyway, that theory not only influenced the sciences, but influenced all fields of the culture. Psychology then was based on Darwin's theory. Sociology is based on Darwin's theory. Karl Marx bases economic theory on Darwin's theory. It influenced all areas of the culture, became a what we call meta-narrative, all-embracing story. And it influenced theology and biblical studies. So at this time, Darwin was saying, okay, wait a minute, there's no supernatural, uh, there's no kind of cosmic intervention and all this, none of that. And so that influenced theological studies and people were saying, all right, religion didn't come from God to us, it is created by man. There is no God, or if there is a God, he's not involved in this universe, all right? So man created religion. And how did religion start? Well, it started with the evolutionary process, okay, where man first worshiped nature and the spirits, and then they started worshiping the gods of the heavens and the mountains and the ocean. And then from all the gods, they said, wait a minute, there's one who's the most powerful, Zeus or whatever it may be, okay? So of all the gods, this guy's the most powerful. Then they said, wait a minute, let's get rid of all the other gods, and we got monotheism. So monotheism was the last of all the religions, right? However, when you look at the historical records, when you look at the historical records, you will see that it's actually the reverse. The oldest religion is monotheism, and the youngest is spiritism or animism. But that's for a whole other discussion. You'll have to come to our world religions class to get the scoop on that one. But anyway, Wellhausen is influenced by that. So any possibility of a special revelation coming from God is dismissed without even looking at the evidence, a priori, all right? So Wellhausen believed that the Old Testament prior to King Ahab was mostly folklore there, all right? And as we stated in the previous session, Israel was just another Canaanite tribe who rose to power at about 1000 BC. And to give that new empire a sense of identity and history, a group of priests, priestly schools came together and said, hey, let's take all the folklore and the myths and the legends and the traditions that have been running around here in Canaan for centuries, let's put them together and let's create a history for ourselves that will unite these tribes together and make Jerusalem the capital and the center of worship. And that's what they said happened. Okay, so from patriarchs through the judges all the way up to King Ahab. The reason is we have external evidence for King Omri and Ahab, all right, in the Misha Stella. But we'll get to that later, okay, in the next session. Before then, they said there's no archaeological evidence for Solomon, David, the judges, Abraham. Oh, there's nothing out there. And so they said this is how the Old Testament came about. There are four priestly schools here, J-E-P-D. Some of you may have heard of this theory, the documentary hypothesis, J-E-P-D, the Wellhausen theory. These four schools came together somewhere around the 7th or 8th century under King Josiah, put together all these folklore and traditions, put them all together and created this fictitious history for the nation of Israel, this new Canaanite empire that rose to prominence. So J... You know, there's no J in Hebrew. 
but in English it translates to J. Okay, the Yahwist school. This is where you find the term Yahweh being used. That's the Yahweh school. Okay, so they got their stuff and wrote it down. Then the E school is the Elohist school, where you see the term Elohim being used. That's their material. Okay, they gather that together. The P school is the priestly school. They brought the theology to the text. If you look in Israelite history, it's very unique. The Old Testament is one of the few, if not one of the very few, along with the Hittites, and there's a reason for that, okay, that has a cause and effect kind of history. And you see throughout the Old Testament, this happened because the Israelites turned away from God. This happened because, you know, they forsook the worship of Yahweh. Remember, Middle Eastern history back then is political propaganda. You don't record bad stuff happening to you. That's shameful. Kind of like Japanese and Chinese, right? The shame culture. You don't report that kind of stuff. Well, one of the marks of authentic history is when you're willing to report bad things that your people have done, right? And you look throughout Israel history. They're not hiding the fact that they turned from God and worshiped idols and were conquered by foreign peoples and taken away in slavery and all these things. That's a sign you've got an authentic historical document here. Then you have the Deuterist school. They brought the moral law part and morality into the writing. So these schools came together, put their notes together, and created the Old Testament, right? Somewhere around the 7th or 8th century BC. The goal of the schools was to write after Israel had fallen to the Syrians in the north. All right, and they sought to establish the centrality of Israel's government there in Jerusalem, saying, hey, all you tribes, the capital is Jerusalem based on this guy named David. Now, he really didn't exist, but hey, we're going to tell you, that's where it comes from. And the worship is here based in Jerusalem. And, and supposedly it would centralize worship and government right there in Jerusalem. Now, that was the goal. Now, here are the arguments from the Wellhausen or the documentary hypothesis. There's phrases, like in Genesis 36, 31, and others. It says, these are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over Israel. All right, so you keep seeing that phrase, before any kings ruled in Israel, before there were kings in Israel. And they're saying, how can a guy named Moses write this before there were any kings in Israel? There were no kings in Israel. So it must be written when there were kings in Israel. Okay, so it's got to be written in the Iron Age, 1000 BC or later. Probably not 1000 BC because David and Solomon are mythical people. All right, so it's probably written 8th century, 7th century, somewhere around there. So this phrase, before there were kings in Israel, Moses couldn't have written it. What about Deuteronomy 34? That records the death of Moses. Moses couldn't have written that. Somebody else obviously wrote it. And then you see this phrase. It says, you know, it remains here to this day. It remains here to this day. So this monument remains here to this day. You see that phrase in there, and they're going, oh, okay, that's probably not written by Moses. And then you see, during the time of the patriarchs, it talks about them using camels. Camels weren't domesticated animals back in the time of the patriarchs. right, so they're looking at all that, saying, this is Iron Age writing. Somewhere in the time when there were kings in Israel, we know Ahab was probably the first king, so maybe around his time, okay, or maybe a later king, Josiah. That's when this thing was written by these priestly schools. Also, they're saying there's no phonetic alphabet system 
before 1000 AD. Okay, there isn't any. So how can we have the Hebrew language and a sophisticated law code and all these kinds of things before 1000? Book of Deuteronomy, that's Iron Age writing. Okay, there's, there's no laws like that in the Middle Bronze Age or the Late Bronze Age. How could Moses have written? There's no law codes like that. So for those reasons, this was dismissed. And they're saying it's got to have been written later. When we have a phonetic alphabet system, when the archaeology supports it, you got phrases like this in the Bible, all support a later date. Well, one of the problems with the Wellhausen theory, it was developed in the early 19th century. And if you remember seminar number one, that's before the birth of modern archaeology. Since the mid-19th century into the 20th and 21st century, we have found thousands of archaeological discoveries that really support the historical veracity of the Old Testament and blow all kinds of holes in the documentary hypothesis. My mentor, Norman Geisler, one of the great apologists of our time, if you know that name, he was debating a professor who held to the Wellhausen theory. Right? And this guy was giving all his arguments, the same arguments that I gave. And you could see the glimmer in Norm Geisler's eye, like, ding, I can't believe you said that. Ding, I can't believe you're giving me that. Ding, I can't, you know. And when he got up to the podium, you know, one of his opening phrases was, he says, you're obviously building your case on 19th century archaeology. Since the 1900s, we have found thousands of archaeological discoveries that obliterate the documentary hypothesis, okay? Why do so many Old Testament scholars hold on to it? Because Old Testament scholars look at the text only. They don't look at the archaeology. And many archaeologists who are minimalists look at the archaeology only and don't look at the Old Testament. There's very few that study the Old Testament and look at the archaeology together. The Wellhausen theory is based on ancient archaeology over 150 years old. That's why the theory still maintains and it's held to by Old Testament scholars who don't look at the archaeology that has come to pass. So there are several flaws in the documentary hypothesis here. Remember, if you're going to take religion class at one of our, quote, Christian high schools, most of them, and most of them are going to teach Wellhausen. If you take it at the university or most of our Christian colleges, they're going to teach Wellhausen. Here are the flaws to the Wellhausen theory. Number one, Scripture affirms Mosaic authorship of the first five books. The Old Testament says that God spoke to Moses directly. Joshua affirms Mosaic authorship. Throughout the Old Testament, it, it calls it the law of Moses. Jesus calls the first five books the law of Moses. Okay? So throughout scripture, the Son of God himself refers to those first five books as the law of Moses. Second of all, there is no evidence of any of these schools. Okay? They say we need to find external evidence for the Exodus. We need to find external evidence for King David. We need to find external evidence outside the Bible for Solomon. They don't apply it to themselves. We have never found external evidence that these priestly schools ever existed. <laughs> we have no evidence of that. No writings that says anywhere in the Hebrew writings, in Josephus, in anybody, 
that there were such schools around. Okay, let's apply the same principles to these guys. Walt Kaiser, right, he's one of the pillars of Old Testament studies today. Okay, he's one of the last four horsemen of the Old Testament. Great, phenomenal scholar to read. By the way, very funny guy. You know, he's hilarious. I'm trying to get him to Hawaii someday. He's just a funny guy. Anyway, he says this. I've never seen any of these men, nor their documents, nor has anyone else. You must understand, these are literary fictions. They have been created by opening the Bible, throwing up the criteria, closing the Bible, and then being surprised that it works. It sounds a little bit like a sort of hitting the barn door and then drawing circles and saying, bullseye, we made it. All right? We've never found any documents or historians that these schools exist. Third, there's no agreement as to which sections of the Pentateuch belong to which schools. Okay? After nearly 200 years, the JEPD scholars still can't tell you this section is J, this section is E, this section is P. They still can't tell you. They're all over the place. Okay? There's no consistency when you study these scholars. Walt Kaiser again says, the second problem seems to me that there is no single historical critical method. You would think all these scholars are agreed. Wrong. I have never seen unanimity on any book with regard to what document it belongs. What's the extent of that document and under what conditions it's written? There just does not appear to be that kind of thing. So that the historical critical method doesn't exist. There are many historical critical methods and as many historical critical results almost as there are scholars. So after 200 years of this theory, you would expect agreement on significant sections of the Old Testament, but there isn't. Hey, Gleason Archer, who passed away not too long ago, is another phenomenal scholar. In his book, Introduction to the Old Testament, he does an analysis of this, and he shows you they are all over the place. They don't know who wrote J, who wrote E, who, what sections belong to what schools. There's no unanimity among scholars on this. Fourth, no JEPD documents have ever been found. One of the most significant documents we have is the Dead Sea Scrolls. Hundreds of manuscripts and fragments have been found. Never do they mention any of these great priestly schools of JEPD. Never do they mention, this is, comes from J tradition, this comes from the E tradition. They don't mention anything of that. No traces, even amongst the great Dead Sea Scrolls. Kenneth Kitchen, in his book, on the Old Testament. Okay, that's a monumental landmark book here okay, on the reliability of the Old Testament. It's a highly academic work here. If you, if you get, really get serious about this, Kenneth Kitchen is the guy to read. He says, there's no objective independent evidence for any of these compositions anywhere outside the Bible. All right? So if we're looking for evidence outside the Bible to confirm the Exodus, to confirm Moses, to confirm Sodom and Gomorrah, to confirm David and so We don't have any for JEPD. Dead Sea Scrolls show no sign of JEPD. If we demand external evidence for biblical figures and events, why not for JEPD? We don't have anything that these schools ever existed. We have no manuscripts or evidence at all that they existed. Now this is from a Yale scholar. Yale is not the bastion of conservative Christianity, okay? It is not. The Yale scholar, Willem Hollow, 
writes about the lack of evidence that supports this theory. So this is coming from one of their own guys, okay? And he says this, literary critical study of the Hebrew Bible has had a checkered history. The JEPD, documentary hypothesis with which it began over 200 years ago, remains to this day a hypothesis. The JEPD documents which it reconstructed are beyond recovery. Their precise extent, their absolute and relative dates, and their changes over time are all matters of dispute. And the applicability of the hypothesis beyond the Pentateuch is severely limited. Given such disparate and even desperate reactions to two centuries of modern biblical scholarship, it is perhaps not surprising that much of the most exciting work has been from epigraphic or archaeological discoveries. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. We have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or even hold a conference at your church or location, give him a call. In Hawaii, that number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Please use our search engine for available resources. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share it with those around you. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, Log on at HonoluluChristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman.